0: Hello there, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I am so glad you are with us today. You found us at dredhill.podbean.com, the home of This Week in the Word. Well, welcome aboard, and we're glad you're with us today. So let's, let's dive right in to our episode for Sunday, February 27, 2022. The title of today's episode is Truth for Tough Times. You have your orders. My father was a career soldier in the United States Army, and many times he received orders that he may or may not have liked. But some of his major orders were to move himself to Germany right after World War II uh, had ended. He joined the army before World War II in Europe was over. And by the time he got there, it had just ended. So he was in the occupation army of Germany and the United States Army. And in fact, our family went to Germany uh, after that, our family went two times with him when I was a young boy and then when I was a teenager. My father also received orders to serve in Korea, not the Korean War, but uh, in the uh, mid-60s, early 60s in Korea, and he did so. And then uh, two or three years later, he was ordered to serve in Vietnam, which he did at Long Binh in South Vietnam during the Vietnam War. In fact, my father and my brother, who was an army officer, they both served in Vietnam at the same time. But my father pulled rank on my brother. <laughs> Think that through. So my father received many orders to do this or that or go here or there. And you know what? As a soldier, he obeyed orders. We have our orders. I can say to you that you have your orders if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see in today's episode in 1 Timothy chapter 1 in verses 18 to 20 in our series, Truth for Tough Times, we're going to see that Timothy also has his orders. He is to fight the good fight to defend the faith. So there's a specific fight, a specific warfare, a specific defense that we are to make of the historic biblical Christian faith. Timothy is ordered, now listen, Timothy is ordered to order those teaching different doctrine other than historic Christian doctrine in the Bible, He is to order those teaching different doctrine to stop, period. That was his order that we're going to see right here today. Now, what is he to order them about? These false teachers were to stop teaching fables, genealogies, and living by the law, or thinking that you could work or earn your way to heaven. We've already seen, uh, especially in the last couple of episodes, that the law of God is good. And if the law of God is used rightly for good, as God intended, then it convicts us of sin, that we cannot keep the law, no matter how hard we try, and if we fail even a little bit, which all of us have more than done, then we've just, we've violated the whole law. It convicts us of sin, and it drives us to the Savior. That's what the law of God is intended to do, to make us realize this is hopeless. I can't literally keep the law of God. I can't keep all, uh, think it, what is it, 618 individual laws. I think I have the number right, but not only I can't do that, I can't even keep the Ten Commandments. But the law used rightly is good. It convicts us of sin and drives us to the Savior. So today, when famous people say that we need to unhitch from the Old Testament, they are oh so wrong. Because when we read, even in the Old Testament, about the law of God, not that we are trying to, to keep it, but when we read it, it convicts us of how far off we are. God forbid that we unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. It is part of the Bible, part of the Christian Bible. Amen. Amen. Now, Paul, we've seen also so far in 1 Timothy 1, is the prototype. He is the supermodel. He is the pattern to be copied. He is the model, the one to be looked to of something very specific. You see, Paul had been way out of bounds with God, even though he was super religious. He was a Jew of the Jews, Paul was more zealous for the law than anybody could possibly imagine. But he is a prototype of somebody who was doing everything wrong when he thought he was doing it right religiously. But then he met the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. He was brought to conviction of sin, repentance toward that sin and toward faith in Christ, and he exercised saving faith in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul was completely revolutionized by his encounter with the living Lord. He no longer relied on, quote, keeping the Ten Commandments because he knew it was impossible. He was completely convicted, and this is a very important thing. You might be thinking today, well, I mean, look at me. Man. I'm just going to make up something. If this is you, I don't even know you're listening, all right? Maybe you're listening today. You're saying, I've been a hell's angel my whole life. I've done heroin. I've sold heroin. I've marketed heroin, heroin, uh, heroin whatever, you know. I've been involved in every single thing you could possibly imagine that is wrong. Well, that just means you need to be brought the conviction of sin and repentance and exercised saving faith in Jesus, just like Paul did. You're not special. And whoever you are listening today, Paul is a prototype that, that no matter how far out you feel like you are, when you respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit of your sin and your need for a Savior, you can be saved. Yes, even You. Let's go into 1 Timothy chapter 1. I want to remind you of verses 3 and 4 before we go to our text today. Why did Paul leave young Timothy behind in Ephesus? Now, Ephesus was not his hometown. I was thinking about this recently. Timothy went with Paul on a missionary trip to Ephesus. And for three years, Paul founded a mighty church there. And Timothy was glad to help out. All of a sudden, he turns around and Paul says, bye-bye, I'm leaving. (laughs) And he he went on into Macedonia and said, I'm leaving you, leaving you in Ephesus to guide the church, to be the the, uh, pastor, like the senior pastor of the church. And Paul would not be there to be relied on. This had to be somewhat unnerving to young Timothy. So Paul says in 1 Timothy 1 verse 3, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some, that they teach no other doctrine. He is to order certain ones that they not teach what is called a uh, hetero didascaleo, that is a different teaching, a different doctrine. Different than what? Different than biblical doctrine. What was that? Well, verse 4 tells us, I don't know all the details about all of this, but I'm going to read it and I'm going to explain the little bit that I know. In verse 4, he says, Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying that is building up which is in faith. So do. So he is to do what he's been ordered to do by the apostle Paul. Apparently, the false teachers among the elders at the church at Ephesus, just as Paul had predicted when he left in Acts. um, I want to say it's Acts nineteen. I'm so sorry; should have looked that up, but you can find it in Acts. That when Paul left Ephesus, he warned them, the elders, that from among themselves, the elders, that. Wars would arise, false teachers, which would decimate the flock. And this, in fact, had happened in only a short time. Now, I'm going to explain to you in a little while why this happened. You say, "Why? Well, I thought it was a great church. It was an absolutely great church, which is the reason this happened. And you'll get it in a minute. But the false teaching centered around, at least in part, things like Uh, myths and stories and you know, tracing your ancestry back to the umpteenth generation and being able to say, well, I'm in the right line of people, so I know I'm in good with God. My great-granddaddy founded a church. Whatever. That doesn't get you to heaven, all right? Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, and in that idea of genealogies could also be the idea that there were many Uh, there are several mystery religions which basically said that uh, okay Jesus Christ came and yeah but he's he's like the the latest manifestation of the Christ or God and God has revealed himself in many ways and he's just the latest one nothing special there'll be more don't worry too much about Jesus that's wrong Jesus (laughs) Christ is not the latest manifestation in a series of manifestations of any kind. He's not an angel. He created the world, my friends. Jesus Christ is literally, in fact, God. And on earth, he was God come in human form so that we could understand him. So... Whatever the exact nature of the false teaching was, it wasn't anything that was should have been being taught because it wasn't biblical doctrine. Timothy's job was to tell them, stop. Order them to stop. Now, the word used for order, as we're going to see today in 1 Timothy 1, verses 18 through 20, is the Greek word Perangalia. It means to order, to command. As I mentioned, my dad was a military veteran of the United States Army, and he had almost 28 years of service in the army. And one thing I noticed in watching his service, orders are not optional. Lawful orders are not debated. Paul is ordering Timothy to do what Paul is already doing, as we will see him mention in a few weeks in 2 Timothy, probably actually a few months, <laughs> truthfully, because we're going verse by verse through First and 2 Timothy in truth for tough times. All right, so let's go to 1 Timothy 1, 18 to 20, our passage for today, and it's short but it it, it it packs a punch. That's what it does. 1 Timothy 1, verse 18. This charge, this is the order now, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy. So he regarded Timothy, uh, he wasn't literally his son biologically, but he regarded him as his son in the faith because he had mentored him to the point that he could leave Timothy behind and have full confidence that he would be an excellent pastor in the power of God for the church of Ephesus. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee. So somewhere in Timothy's past, great men of God had been given a word from God that God was going to use Timothy in a mighty way and apparently is right here at the church in Ephesus. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Now, let's stop before we go any further. So, Timothy's order to to do what he's there to do. And it's already been predicted by God through godly men that he was going to do a great job in the power of God and that based on those prophecies, and that had to be encouraging to Timothy, right? That based on God's reinforcement of him, that he, Midas, wore a good warfare. This is fight a good fight. Fight a good fight. I believe the Greek word is where we get our word strategy from. All right, now, what is that about? Well, it's going to be defined for us. We don't have to guess. You know, if you're in a Bible study and it goes sort of like, well, this is what this verse means to me. We don't care what you think it means to you. We want to know what God meant when God wrote it and spoke it. And once we know that, what it says, then we can see what it says to me. That is, what what am I to do with what it says? So let's get away from, well, to me, this verse means that's not Bible study. That is not exegesis. That is not rightly dividing the word of truth because I've heard so many crazy things taught because people do not discipline their thinking and learn how to, you know, not, I mean, not, not even study the Bible I'm talking about. People don't even learn how to read the Bible. So they have no idea what the overall message is so that they can properly interpret a given verse. And if you're saying, don't be mean, I know that's me, I'm here to help you, all right? I'm trying to show you how to do this because I'll die one day and one day nobody's gonna pay the bill so that this is on Podbean or the government will shut it down. Who knows what could happen you need to learn to read the Word of God for yourself and to rightly interpret the Word of God as the way God intends. Not do this. This means this to me. Again, we don't really care what you think it means to you. Alrighty then. Verse 19. let's go back to 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Holding faith, that is seizing faith. I mean, get a firm grip on faith. Do you have one? Get one. Holding faith and a good conscience. That is a clear conscience that as far as you know, you are are obeying the word of God as far as you understand it. And God will help you grow in that. Holding faith, now faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, faith in his word, trusting him, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, the faith, by the way, in Greek, the definite article the is in front of the word faith, which some having put away concerning the faith, that what is that? The biblical Christian, historic Christian faith, which some having put away concerning the faith have made shipwreck. Now, I don't think I've ever personally seen a shipwreck like been out on the ocean and seen the wreckage of a ship. But we've all seen photographs and movies where there are shipwrecks from, you know, olden times, like, you know, pirate ships and, you know, even modern times. If you've seen pictures of uh, Pearl Harbor after the Japanese attack on December 7th, 1941, where you just see ships uh, smoking ruins sunken that's a shipwreck but you know classically we think of a shipwreck more in terms of a ship that runs aground on rocks on a a rocky coastline and is just destroyed by the storm and the waves shipwrecks are frightening even if it if if you see one and it happened A long time ago, you see it and you just think how awful that must have been for those aboard, okay? So this charge, I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. By the way, this is not an amusement park we're in. This is not Disneyland or Six Flags. If you're a Christian, listen to me. You and I are on a battlefield. This is war. We're not here for a good time. It doesn't mean that God won't bless you in this life and you will enjoy many aspects, but don't be surprised when you're shot at. This is war. This is spiritual combat. That thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith, and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, or as I said in the Greek, it's the faith, that is the Christian faith, have made shipwreck. Of whom, and he's going to name two of them. Now, I don't know if these were literally two elders at the church at Ephesus or two people who tried to infiltrate the church. We don't really know that. I'm going to assume here that they're two elders because Paul said it was gonna happen. Really, Pastor Ed? These were were pastor teachers at the church of Ephesus, a great church? They well could have been. Whoever they were, they were having a bad effect on the entire church. Well, how do you know that? Because Timothy's gotta deal with them. People like them. Paul is gonna say here, that he has already dealt with them. (coughs) Excuse me. Verse 20. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander? (gasps) Can you imagine when this was read in the church at Ephesus that these two dudes were called out? Of of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander? Now listen to this. For all of you people who think the entire uh, summum bonum You know, the highest good of the Christian church is just love, 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 love. Well, it's not. It's part of it, but there's also truth and judgment. It's not only love. Whom I have delivered unto Satan. Wow, that they may learn not to blaspheme. What in the world? What is Paul talking about here? These two guys who Timothy may have still uh, well had in the church, in Ephesus, I, I don't, we don't know all those details, but Timothy knew who they were and Paul knew who they were and they had already started doing the kind of things we're talking about, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered. That is, he, he gave them over unto Satan, (laughs) wow, that they may learn, that's like go to school. So he wants them to be taken to school by the enemy, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now that word means to speak evil of something or someone. So in their false teaching, say, well, it can't be that bad. Well, by the Spirit of God here, Paul says, uh, yes, it can. False teaching speaks evil of God and his word. Listen, Hamanas and Alexander, I don't know if they ever repented or ever learned their lesson. I don't know. Hopefully they did. Probably they didn't. But they're, they're gone. But you and I are here today let's plug in the three verses that we've been focusing on right here. This is going to get uncomfortable. Why is the church attacked? Why was Ephesus attacked back in that day? It was that we know from um, the Bible that the gospel went forth from the church of Ephesus and the entire region of Asia Minor heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. If you were Satan, wouldn't you attack that church? You sure would. Why was Ephesus attacked? Why are good Bible-believing churches attacked today and Bible-believing Christians attacked today? Because you believe God in his word, and Satan hates that. That's why the church was attacked then and now. Why are there false teachers? It's simple. Truth is targeted by Satan. I just don't understand, Pastor Ed. I try to treat people right at work and in my neighborhood, and they know that I love the Lord, and I try to share the gospel with them, but some people just are so hateful. They lie about me. They try to you know, keep me from being promoted at work. I've, I've actually suffered from that, and you know, uh, they won't let their kids play with my kids in the neighborhood. You know, whatever. You know, you you just fill in the blank, right? Well, the reason that's happening, assuming that you're living the right way and you believe the right things, the reason that's happening is simple. You're you're the light of Christ at work and in that community. You're the salt of the earth. You are um, a messenger for Christ in a kingdom of darkness, of Satan. That's why you're opposed. Now, if you're opposed because people can't stand being around you because you are insufferable, you you need to get your life straight with the Lord Jesus Christ, right? if they think you're an outrageous hypocrite because they know you say one thing and you do another, you need to repent. And you can do that. But if you know, you say, well, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to live and be and do the right thing. And I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I had to with his power, I would die for him today. If that's you in your heart of hearts and you are being attacked, like Jesus said, rejoice. Great is your name in heaven. You you should be so excited that somehow you are important enough to be opposed by the enemy. I'm pretty sure that even in America, there are lists by the enemies of Christ and the enemies of the church. I am fairly certain I'm already on a list or two And if I'm not, I'm disappointed because I haven't been enough and done enough to get on a list. But I'm still going to get on somebody's list. You should be on such a list too. Well, won't that get me in trouble? Hey, you'll be in it with the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? I'd rather be in trouble with Jesus than live a life of ease without him. How about you? That's why churches and Christians who are doing the right thing are attacked. Now, if you're just a rank hypocrite, you need to repent. But let's plug this in. This is where it gets, this is where it gets hard. Listen to me, a church pastor or a teacher in a church shipwrecks not only his personal faith, like Hymenaeus and Alexander did, not only his personal faith and good conscience. So they not only do themselves in, now that's pretty stupid if you ask me, but also, guess what else they shipwreck and they do in? The faith. What faith? The Christian faith. The historic, biblical, Christian faith. They do great damage. They shipwreck the faith. And my friends, I want to tell you right now, and you listen well and you listen good. This is rampant in 2022. 2022. And my word to you, if you're doing it, or our word to anyone within our churches who is doing it, is stop. Stop. This is not right. Listen. If you are not standing by the historic, biblical, Christian faith, you need to repent or retire. Now, I'm especially speaking to church leaders. We do not need you if you are teaching hetero didascaleo, that is a different doctrine. If you are doing that and you won't repent, leave. Become a Tibetan monk or an outright atheist and stop plaguing the church, the bride of Christ, because the Lord Jesus Christ is most displeased by your false teaching, which is shipwrecking the church. My word to you, if you are a pastor, pastorette, staff member, a Sunday school teacher, a deacon, or whatever you are in a local church that claims to be a Bible-honoring, Bible-believing Jesus following church, if you're in that and you're doing the wrong thing, you need to repent or retire, period. If you're in authority over anyone doing so, let's say you're a pastor and you're aware of this among certain teachers in your church, you need to order them, and I want to say that in bold print, all caps, order them, To stop, order them to repent or retire. And we're done for today. I know that must just enlighten your whole day and make you feel so warm and fuzzy on the inside. No, it didn't. But it's Bible truth. Amen. You're welcome. Now, I'm going to give you a phone number to call if you're realizing right about now that you don't think you're a Christian. Maybe you're not. I don't know. And I'm not going to try to give you an assurance you don't have. You could even be a pastor and you are so far off the track in what you believe and teach that you realize that you're just like Hymenaeus and Alexander. You need to repent or you need to get out. But if you want to repent, whether you're a church leader or not, maybe you don't even know anything about the church, but you realize, like, wow, I just came to this podcast to make fun of it, and now I know I'm a sinner. Hey, here's a phone number. Call this number, and that's not me, but you'll speak with someone who can answer questions about personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They can help you come to Christ. Here's the number. I'm going to read it twice, right fast. I want you to know with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know for certain how your eternity will turn out. Instead of following Satan like we're born doing, you know, we're born into that, and if we don't quit, if we don't start following Jesus, we'll follow Satan right into an eternal hell. I mean, you don't have to become like a Satanist to end up in hell. You're born that way. Jesus came to rescue us off of the highway to hell so we can go to heaven. But with Christ as your Savior and Lord, instead of going to hell with Satan, you can follow Jesus Christ and be welcome into heaven and spend eternity with him. Maybe you could go to chataboutjesus.com. Chataboutjesus.com. Here's some really good news before we leave. Romans 3.23, For all is sin and come short of the glory of God. You know what? That means you. Amen. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10, verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I hope you will do that today. If you can't do that yet, call that phone number go to chataboutjesus.com. I'm so happy you listened today. I hope that right where you're listening, you will share this with someone who also needs to hear this message. I hope that you will like the episode and follow the podcast, and you'll automatically receive a notification every week when a new episode is posted. Thanks for listening. There's plenty more episodes at This Week in the Word at dredhill.podbean.com. They're all free, and I invite you to listen to every one of them. God bless you. Have a great week. Bye-bye.